We are particularly talking about history through the eyes of a Christian believer. You mentioned Dark Age Man, which I believe is one of the new Marvel episodes that are coming out. Are you serious? No. Homoousius. In unison. Homoousius. That's the reason that I teach this, is I feel like we all should be aware of history because it informs the way we approach every day. This is History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast with Angie Ferris. I'm your host, Frank Grange Jr., along with producer Wes. Make sure you check the link in our bio for our Ko-fi page. This is a great place to support the podcast, get more information and reference material, ask questions, make comments, and even chat with us. We're glad you're here. Hey, everybody, this is Frank. History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast featuring Angie Ferris, and I'm your host, along with producer Wes. We're glad you're here. Episode 85. Angie, welcome. Thanks, Frank. Great to be here. We're so excited. Everybody's here. Excited we're back in the Red Door studio. Excited that producer Wes is here. We're all in the same place. The last few episodes, we've been a little bit scattered. Even the episodes before that, we did a little bit of technical difficulties. So I'm feeling good. Yeah, We're it's back been a while. In it is a familiar space. Um, Feels like we're home. It's 2023 is just going great. My gosh, so many things are going so well. That's I'm so happy for so, you. So actually, I wonder how long it's been since we've been in this spot. It's been, it wasn't, we have not been in this spot in 2023. Don't give things away. We act like we were. No, I don't think so. Remember when I was talking about how Christmas was good and you're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But Christmas. that came out before it was over. We had to come clean. Yeah. So we haven't, we haven't been in the studio in 2023. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's good to be here. Um, I'm excited. And uh, how's everything in your world? Okay. You mentioned to me recently that a lot has happened since we were together again. We need to talk about it. Oh, I just think there's been things in the news that you for sure would have something to say something about. So that's, well, that's gets, kind of the most. I do. I mean, if you're a fan, a listener of the podcast, if you've listened to, I don't know, maybe a dozen episodes, at least somewhere in those dozen episodes, we've probably talked about UFOs because I will bring it up every now and then. And I am not a person that goes looking for UFOs. I don't think I've even ever seen an unidentified flying object. I have seen something in the sky. That I didn't know what it was, but I think it is identifiable um, by someone. I didn't, it didn't be, it wasn't something that we talked about it on here. Yeah. Um, so, but I like the conspiracy theory aspect of, you know, the, the area 51. I like the, uh, the guy Bob Laser Lazar might be his name. Somebody out there knows it. He's written some. He was on a special. Anyway, he's this guy that tells about these creatures that he saw and these ships that he saw, and so you just never know what what's out there and what's not. So what you're referring to is these objects that are unidentifiable that have been shot down over North America in the recent weeks and. You know, I did not ever, I thought what was interesting when it first came out that it wasn't a major news story. You had to like Google it and it was like the fifth or sixth news story. Mm. It was not the mm. headline like you see in the movies like Independence Day and, you know, we yeah. have been visited by. Yeah. It was, that was not ever. And I'm like, well, this should be the, I mean, this should be a big deal. You know, a few years ago when the Air Force came out and, and released all these documents that... Yeah, and I think that's happened again just in the last several months. Like, there have been things that pilots yeah. have seen that are unidentifiable. Mm -hmm. And they moved in a way that people... that it, Apparently, that is a real thing. Like So, can't deny that. It has happened. So, I thought, well, now we've shot things down. So, this is going to be, you know... We get through a pandemic, we've got a war in Ukraine, we've got all the civil unrest, and now some UFOs being shot down. But then it kind of went away. 
And as I did more reading and as I, um, I don't know, also texted someone that's in the Air Force to try to get some details, which I knew I wasn't going to get any details, but at least I could get a vibe. Right. And like a, not a take cover, you know, or <laughs> who is this wrong number kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought, you know what? Here's, I've not, I've not said this to you and I'm talking a lot so far. This is not my podcast, but, um, I think what happened is once the Chinese spy balloon came over and for whatever reasons, it took forever to make a decision on what to do about that. And then a decision was made and it was shot down. Well, there was a decision made not to shoot it down until there was a decision made to shoot it down. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even know that. I just know that well. it was there for a long time. Um, but I heard someone say in the news, an officer or a scientist or somebody, that a certain type of radar is, mo- is mostly used to, f- to see objects that go fast. Right. And when they decided to look for objects that go really slow, slow, they found these other objects. So I think of it like, oh, so it's not necessarily a threat or an alien craft. It was just something moving really slow that we had not seen before because we weren't looking for that. Oh, and then now there's I'm like, but three of them in the same week, three of them in two weeks. Well, it's because we just started looking for them, you know, or we just started realizing. So it's almost like if you the lights are off in a room and you don't see anything and then you turn the light on and all of a sudden you see lots of things. It's like, well, it's because you didn't weren't using the technology to see them. Mm-hmm. And then you and I and your husband had a conversation and I heard that it was like a potentially a uh, a radio, you know, like a... Um, what do you call those radio? Like a ham radio club or ham a radio, radio club, club that, that had a that had a balloon up. And the other way I heard that story was that it was some kind of science experiment from some institution or club. That was the one over the uh, Yukon. They their balloon disappeared at the same time that something got shot down over the Yukon, and it was in the same place. So, yeah, nobody said that's what we shot down. And I did see in the news in the last couple of days that. They're, they've given up looking for that, uh, what you would call it. I don't know if you call it wreckage. What do you a call it? after Transmitter? Sh- no, after it's shot down, whatever that stuff, you know. Debris? The debris. They've given up on that because of the location of where it was and whatever. Like, they're not going to look for that anymore. So, yeah. No, I just thought that was interesting. And the day that that Chinese balloon was coming across the country, um, my son and his wife were traveling from where they are to Tennessee, and they saw it in the sky. Oh, I think I remember that. Took a picture of it and sent it, and I was like, well, okay. Yeah. It was such a clear now, is day. Is there a way to tell the difference between an American balloon and a Chinese balloon? Like, do they speak different languages? I have no idea, Frank. I know that the pilots have been up there close enough to see them, that the information they have is because they were flying planes beside them. Oh. Or near them. Well... It's not been something that has freaked me out or thought, oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, I didn't, you know, the news headlines would, would lead you to believe that at first. But then I'm like, well, I think it's just something that was floating around and they got rid of it. Um, what else? Uh, well, Curious. Train derailment. That's something that everybody's freaking yeah, yeah, out Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's always a lot of news and We're not going to get all in that. Talk about. And... And then there's this revival going on. Yeah, cool. Which I've been has doing to do a lot faith. of stuff on that too. I'm just now. You're seeing just now it. seeing this. I opened it up like a ta-da, and he's just now seeing it. Well, I saw the cover on your laptop, right? But the picture <laughs> is what I'm now seeing, and that's a little thumb. Yes, that's what's on our Kofi site. Is it right here? Yeah. On that, is that my face on the thumb? Yes. Oh, okay. That's funny. That's what I. That's what I made. You know, <clears throat> you didn't want me to put a profile picture on the Kofi site like a big, our big faces. So that's what I made instead. That's good. I made the thumbs up, and my. It's a square picture of me, and you're in the thumbs up. But I have a mic in my face. 
Yeah, it's the pictures that we, we had like done it. in studio. I it's kind of far away, so I don't see it as clearly. But I'm this, which you can describe what that is, yeah. was a Christmas gift from Tim. It's a cover for her laptop that is our logo. Is it is it a sticker or is it like it, a? I think they call it a screen, but I mean, like it's it's a protector. Um, I forget the word for it, but it's it's like a large sticker. Okay. <laughs> but they have a word for it, like a scrim or something like that. Anyway, it's like a lot, and it can be removed. So, but That's anyway, it's really cool. It's the, it's a, so I thought that was kind of neat. What he did was he said, I'm going to get you this. What do you want on it? And then I had that thing like, I want to, because honestly, with phones the way they are, when I use my computer is usually 90% of the time I'm working on the podcast. So, yeah. and then I always have it. I'm never looking at the back side of my screen, but you always are. So that's are. a gift. So I thought that's we'll a just, gift to me. Now we'll I'm just, gonna look over there and it's all official. And yeah, we'll just see. We're doing history through the eyes of faith right here. I was excited about that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Well, we're episode eighty five, eighty four. If I can try to remember a recap, it was uh, a lot of time spent talking about a birthday party. My apologies how long that took and then uh we <laughs> and talked y'all i cut some out not a, not a lot we, but some when we talked about the year 1026 and the battle 1066 of, that's what i meant 1066 and the battle of hastings and william the conqueror and where did we finish up with that but yeah how did it finish up how did it wind up remind me um, we just talked about the impact that it had on history and the melding of the car- cultures and, yeah, and it how it changed the, the directions of England and all right? that. Am yeah. I saying it right? The Normans? Yes. Yeah. The Normans and the English kind of became one. One England. One England. Yes, your grace. Yeah, pretty interesting. And so we are also at the point where, once again, we have released everything we've recorded. So, oh, we have. Yeah, that doesn't happen that often. So here we sit. Ha- really? Yeah. When was the last time that happened? Back before Christmas when we were, uh, well, I don't remember. We, it was not that long ago. Oh, it was right after Christmas. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. That, yeah. I don't. Yeah. It rarely, I don't me. think it happened at all last year. Um, unless it was at the first of the year. So we released an episode either late December or Late November, early December, and then don't release again till um, January. And when we were recording in January, everything was already out there. And we talked about how that rarely happens. But because of travel schedules and such, prep time, we're back to the point. So, wow, we better get on the ball. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, because travel's happening again. So, yeah, we got to get caught up. Yeah, get ahead of the game. So, anyway. It's cool. So that's kind of interesting, too, that we're back at that. We're back. Um, so what would any updates you want to make before we get into the, the content? Um, nothing's. Yes, there are things, but I don't have to do that now. One, I interrupted or we interrupted ourselves when you saw the computer screen mm-hmm. about the Asbury revival. Oh, and yeah. So I've had a lot of uh, I've really enjoyed the last couple of days um looking into that hearing testimonies of that doing that kind of thing we're not that far from wilmore kentucky right here thought about going up there but didn't convince anybody how to go far with are me. we three and a half hours well from mm. my house which is you're a little bit further here and i had a friend who went up there saturday oh, i wow. heard, heard about that yesterday so that was cool cool yeah so yeah that's a neat thing but it's got me uh Looking into a lot of the history of revival. And so we'll come to that when we make it into the closer centuries to where we are now. And we are going to make it there. It just keeps getting more and more interesting. Well, what are we gonna, where are we going today? So we're, um, we're actually at a point where we're coming up against the time period where there was a lot of things going on in, uh, I don't know how to say that. 
There's a lot of shaping things that are going to happen in the 11th century and going in. No, in the 12th century and going into the 13th century. Okay. So 1066 is toward the end of the 11th century. So what we're going to be doing is talking about several different things that set us, some of which are events and some of which are people that set us up for some of the major movements that will get us through into the eventually into the 13th century so um that's one of the reasons that we're recording on top of ourselves if you however you want to say that that this is going to come out quickly is because i've had to spend quite a bit of time kind of framing out the next 1500 years or so not 1500 150 years or so so that we could make sure we knew where we were going so so you've um, been framing out from now to 1300 or so maybe not quite that far into the 13th century yeah yeah it's very interesting so a and, lot happening yeah and the other thing is y'all there and y'all know this but there's just so much information out there like you can just constantly gather information between just searching on your phone or being on YouTube or going to the library or listening to podcasts in the process of, of getting this stuff ready. I found a, no, it was actually in the process of the Asbury Revival information. I found a podcast I didn't know about, which I'm, there's millions of podcasts. So sure, I didn't know about it. And it was, um, but it's, to, so I turned it on and um, I was watching something today when I was getting ready to leave, or I had it on. That's a better way to put it. And you know how if you have something on and it comes to the end and you don't punch anything, it goes to another thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened. I wasn't paying attention. And so it went to this podcast that I'd listened to one of the episodes yesterday because they were talking about Asbury. But this episode was about something else. And it was all about everyday life of a Christian in the Middle Ages, which is exactly what we're talking about. You know, so it's like, okay, well, I'm fixing to walk out the door. I can't gather all this information right now, but it was a really cool book, which I will be getting this week. And and anyway, there's just so much information. It's like you just, it takes faith to just trust that we're talking about what we need to be talking about and that there's not something important out there that we're missing. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the other great thing about podcasting is we can go back and we can add or we can put edits in future episodes or we can, you know, it's not like, oh, well, we missed that. That's over. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So you are, I don't know, I'm going to go down this rabbit trail, I guess. But just as kind of an update of the overview, we've got 80, you know, 84 episodes. This is 85 and this is a structure that you've created to walk people through a timeline according to the Christian faith. Or like when you are now in a well, in I think 11th, it's like 12th century. What do you mean when you say according to the Christian faith? As a Christian believer. Right, looking at history. Yeah. yeah. I mean we've said it several times. Yeah. I just But and it's not just Christianity like Okay, let me get started on this, and I think in just a minute we're going to come to something that speaks directly to that. So what, well, to, well, all the I'm just bringing, I'm just saying what I'm saying is kind of like framework for the listener to be like, we are not experts on history, we're not experts on anything theology. <laughs> you know, we we're just trying to create a story. Yeah, that from the beginning. From many years ago, from the time that my brain awakened as an adult, I guess that's the way to put that, wherever that happens, I have been fascinated with if this is happening now, what happened before it to make this, to bring this about? That's always a question in my mind. Hmm. Like, how have you been to therapy? <laughs> some that when you, yeah, and that's probably a lot of it was because I have a liberal, liberal arts undergraduate degree, a minor. Did you said you had a liberal <laughs> I've minored in sociology. You have a liberal arts degree, and, and I, I majored. Have a I majored in philosophy. I so I was studying things that led to things that led to things, right? And so I think about that. I just I'm fascinated by that. So this is okay, and then you take that, you take that information, and you put that up beside the the knowledge of uh, a, have walking with Jesus, having a personal relationship with Christ being a student of the word and believing that God is sovereign and he's telling his story through history. So how do those come together? What does that look like? 
So this thing that was happening in 1782 or this thing that was happening in 1215 or this thing that was happening in 476, how does that play into the story? And so that's the question. And so that's why we're telling the story. So there's no way you can tell everything, but I'm trying to find interesting things along the way that play into the story. Okay. So in the process of looking into uh, some of the content for the actual uh, personalities and events that happened during this period of the Middle Ages from 1066 moving forward, I ran across some really good wording that I think is this person worded it really well about why we're doing this and what what looking at history through our Christian eyes is at least a little bit about, okay? Um, And this comes from a uh, podcast on YouTube called 100 Plus Significant Moments in Church History by a pastor named Mike Woodruff. And um, this particular episode is on... uh, Politics, power, and the church uh, of Pope Gregory the Seventh, which we'll be getting to him. But in the, so um, it was kind of interesting. This podcast developed because he was doing devotions for his congregation during COVID when they're all stuck at home and when the pandemic and everything just shut down. He's like, okay, here's some just daily things to keep us focused so that we're not going crazy and alone and to kind of connect the community. And then people started asking specific questions, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll just do the 100 most significant events in church history. This shouldn't be a problem. It's turned into a really big deal, right? And I think it's actually transitioned into another podcast now, but it went on for the 100 events, right? So he's talking in this, and he says, he's telling, okay, why are we doing these 100 events? And I just love what he said. He said, More than a few people, meaning a lot of people, right? More than a few are unaware of how they're being shaped. What is going on in the world? How what is going on in the world is shaping them. Most people are unaware of that. Of how it is that those, I love this, how that it is that those of us living in the 21st century are sort of joining the conversation that has been going on for 3,000 years. See, and that's what I think about. We're joining a conversation that has been going on for 3,000 years, but people don't think about that, and they Mm. don't think about that conversation. So how is it? And he says, we're products of Western culture, which we talk about here all the time. In a way, the whole globe is product of West, is influenced by Western culture, which is globalization, right? So we're products of Western culture. And I love, you're going to love this analogy too. It's as if we walked in on the last few minutes of a movie that has been playing for two hours and we just don't understand anything that has gone on before us. Hmm. So to understand our part in this, we must back up and understand what went on yesterday. I'll say that again. It's as if we walked in on the last few minutes of a movie, movie. Mm-hmm. that's it's been, been playing, playing for, for two, two hours, hours. Yeah. and we just don't understand anything that has gone on before we got there. Mm-hmm. So to understand our part in this, we must back, back up, up and understand, understand what went, went on, on yesterday. That, what went on yesterday. Don't you like that? Mm-hmm. So, But not just yesterday. The day yes. before that, and the and, day before that, yeah. and the day before that. And this is specifically speaking to Christians, and if you're a, if you're a Christian or, or you've been in Christian culture a lot in your lifetime. He says, many Christians know almost nothing about what happened between the Apostle Paul and Billy Graham. Isn't that cool? Because Apostle Paul's the end of the well, New Testament, right? Yeah, but, you and know. And then Billy Graham's a little old for a lot of people now. Right. But I, I get his point, but I would raise my hand and say, yeah, but Martin Luther is a big deal in there. You know, and that's only because of the particular tradition you were raised in and because they, we learned a lot about Martin Luther in the middle of all that. You know, it, it, I thought I learned about that in school, though. Huh, I don't know. I didn't learn about it in school. I remember learning about it at church. But that's okay. Maybe I learned about it in school, too. But maybe I just, the first time I remember hearing it was at church. But anyway, okay. Anyway. So I love that vision. So here we are, like we're joining this conversation late. What happened yesterday? What's going on? And I've felt that much, so much in the last three years. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but so much in the last three years have been a wake-up call for me to go, how did we get here? Yeah. Okay, how is this 
happening. And knowing that one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing made me go, okay, I've really missed something here. And as I've told you before, I've never taught all the way up to the present when I've done this before. I've gotten to somewhere between 1650 and 1750, okay, before something else came along and I was had to be on another project. And I put off the podcast thinking I'm going to get all the way up to now before I start the podcast. But then I realized that could take a really long time and I need to go ahead and move on this. And and so I'm asking that question. How did we get here? So I, I love the way he puts that. Um, so now we're jumping back to we're going to review a little bit to get us to the mind frame we need to be in to talk about our person that we're going to next. Okay. so. If we remember, Constantine issues the Edict of Milan. I think that was 312. Um, when that happened, many of the church felt that the vibrancy of the church went down. Say that again. When Constantine issues the Edict of Milan, which makes Christianity legal in the Roman Empire, and then even more so when he identifies as a Christian himself, many people in the church felt the vibrancy of the church went down. And we talked about this some, too, because now it's cool to be a Christian. If yeah. you're a Christian, you're associated with the emperor. If you're a Christian, you're in with the in crowd. It's no longer uh, getting fed to the lines or being martyred or having to stand up for your faith. It's people coming into the church just to be a part of the cool crowd who might or might not really go for what's being said. And so he has this quote. He says, in the book, How the West Was Won by Rodney Stark, Constantine's edict set up two different churches. From that point on, you had the Church of Power and the Church of Piety. Hmm. The Church of Power and the Church of Piety. Is piety a negative thing? No, piety is like... I mean, he's not meaning it negative. He's not meaning that that, that happened was negative? No, or that, that piety, like I... No, I piety to, would be like focus on prayer and personal devotion right, right. and following Jesus. And then you've got power being the state, the government influence, right? But, it, but the point is, from that, from that moment on throughout history, you kind of have two churches, the Church of Power and the Church of Piety. Do you have any comments about that? No, I get it. I I don't think it's a positive thing what he's saying. No, but I but also I, but we talked about this when we talked about Constantine, and you asked me, is that a good thing? I'm like, well, it depends on how you look at it. Well, I remember saying that then the monks became like the more um, sacrificial kind of took the place of the martyrs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if you want to be a devout Christian, go be a monk. Mm -hmm. Remove yourself from the world. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so if that's true, because that's going to come in as well, that we would talk. be the piety. Right. So that leaves the average Christian on the street kind of like, well, how do if I wanted to practice Christianity, how would I do that? I either have to move into power or I have to go be a monk or something like that. That's just, I'm just throwing that out there. Right. So there's that, that going on. And I'm also having a little moment here. I'll just get on the side because. I uh, I told you that that other podcast came on, and I was like, oh, wow, here's all this information, and I'm going to go get that book. So right before I left the house to come record, I rewound that uh, video to the point so I could see the name of the book and the author of the book. So this is kind dun, of freaking dun, dun. me out, because I... I I had all my notes prepared, right? And I'm just cutting and pasting and finding and stuff. And I had this quote, and I knew it was from a book. Rodney Stark is the same author. Wow. It's a different book, but it's the same author. So I'm going to get to know Mr. Stark in the next few days. Mm. That's going to be interesting. Okay, so we got the Church of Power and the Church of Piety. Moving on through history. The reason I'm telling us that now is let's look for them. As we go through history, where's the Church of Piety? What does that look like? Where's the Church of Power? What does that look like? And sometimes it's very hard to find them. And one of the reasons I'm interested in Mr. Stark's writings is because he talks a lot about the details of what life in the church was like, or he has found quotes that I haven't been able to find about that. So I'm excited about finding that. And this is not Tony Stark. 
no, but that's how I remembered his name because my husband was standing there and goes, yeah, that's Tony's cousin. And I'm like, okay. So then on the drive down here, I'm like, what was that name? Oh, Stark, Stark. It was Stark Industries. <laughs> so that was like, okay. So I also want to talk about another tension that has been in Christianity from the beginning that we need to keep uh, being a aware of and we sort of talked about this before we have talked about it but it's been a long time so another tension within christianity which has been there from the beginning is the tension between grace and works of course okay Mm -hmm. so our natural human tendency is to want well let's talk about so what does that mean when i say grace and works i'm going to talk about a little bit more too but why did you say of course what a minute immediately pops into your mind when i say of course i mean that's just a constant message as a believer in trying to come to grips or understand your own salvation that you want to be good you want to be good i want to do the right thing i want to be good i want to i want god to like me i want to you know not make mistakes but it's just this constant battle between doing all the things I need to do to get to heaven. But the faith really says it's grace that gets you to heaven, not your works. Right. And Paul talks about that in the, in the scriptures. And so, but it's a constant cause I mean, I don't know what you're wanting to get out of me right now, but I can no, go I'm, on no, about, no. about just the Western culture and our specific area of the country and in the Bible belt. And we are in the buckle of the Bible Belt. It seems to be a lot about works, about perception, about how you know. And I, and and, but I would say that there's probably a lot of people that would say it. it that's might be the uh, what people see. You know, maybe I, I don't so know. So, how is there a way you would like? I'm thinking of one in my head that how you would explain the contrast between grace and works to somebody who's not a believer, like somebody who's listening to this, who isn't in that culture, it's not used to Christian lingo. Um, what that means. I mean, I've got stuff to say about it, but well, I guess I just kind of said it. Okay. I mean, uh, the Christian faith is having faith in a savior that I'm not a preacher having faith in a savior, which is the son of God that took the uh, atonement for our mistakes and out of our gratitude toward that, we live toward how he wants us to live. But the way we live is not what gets us to heaven. Okay. So that's grace. That's grace. And it's also the works, but the work like, well, but if we're saying there's a, okay, yeah, that's the tension between grace and works. If you fall too so far on the work side, so too far on the grace side would be, it doesn't matter what I do, because mm-hmm. um, I'm saved by Christ. So, so my actions have no meaning. Okay, that's not true. I mean, being saved by Christ is, but the idea that your actions have no meaning isn't. And then, if you go too far on the work side, is it's all up to me. My eternal destiny is all up to me. Okay, um, my relationship with God is all up to me. Okay, and there that tension is always there. So. It's the natural human tendency to want a checklist, to feel something must be done to achieve a result, Mm -hmm. to expect that things have to be earned. Because, I mean... That's a good way to put it. Things have to be earned. If you're going to pay your bills, you got to have some money. And if you're going to get money, you got to have a job. And if you're going to get paid at your job, you got to do the work. I mean, and we just carry that out into everything. It's just... Mm -hmm. And if, if... if I want to make you happy, I want you to tell me specifically what I need to do to make you happy. Right. I want lists. Give me a list. And so it's the natural tendency to take anything and turn it into a list. Right. Okay. Yet scripture and Jesus teach that salvation comes by grace. And so do you remember the acronym for what grace is? I don't. God's riches at Christ's expense. Expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. So I have a few verses to that kind of illustrate. Well, 
few verses pertinent to this topic. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So there's Paul, God through Paul saying, you're saved by grace. It's a gift, and the, it's not a result of anything you've done. So you can't boast about it. You boast about Jesus, not about yourself. Okay. Okay. Titus 3, 5. I really like this one a lot. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we did in righteousness, but in accordance with his mercy. The Bible also talks about all of your deeds are like filthy rags. Like there's no way you can be good enough for God. So salvation comes by him being merciful towards you through Christ. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have d- did in righteousness, but in accordance with his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So it is the work of the Holy Spirit, regenerating and renewing us that saves us, not our deeds. But then the constant, that tension is there even in the scriptures. And I don't know how much we talked about this when we talked about how which books became part of the Bible. But one of the books that was one of the latter books to be accepted as canon, even though it was circulating among the churches and all of those things, was the book of James. Because the book of James is heavy on, do you know? I Maybe I did, but I don't remember. It's right heavy now. on works. Okay? And, and that could stand under certain readings in contrast to Paul saying that you're saved by grace. So you made this, you used the word gratitude when you were given the description of your works. Mm. And I think that's what James is talking about. But here's an example. Verse chapter two, verse 26 of James says, for just as the body without the spirit is dead. When the spirit leaves the body, the body is dead. So also faith without works is dead. So he's saying if you've got faith, but you don't have any works in response to that faith. You're not in a way that shows your faith. Yes. And, you know, Jesus says, he who loves me is he who keeps my commandments. Does that mean that you have to, to earn his love through his keeping his commandments? No, it means that if you love him, you will keep his commandments. Yeah. Okay. And then Romans 5, 8, just to emphasize once again that Christ saves us in our sin, not when we get our act together. Okay? Getting your act together is not a requirement for coming to Jesus. It's accepting him as Savior, recognizing what he's done for you, repenting of your sin. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God shows us he loves us. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So, that tension between grace and works has existed from the beginning. And we will see it if we haven't already in the church. In conjunction with the church of power and the church, church of, of piety. piety. Yeah. So that's and the doing. church You're of kind of setting a framework for what we're going to see yes. as it relates to and what's the, going on. And, and I think we could probably go back in history we've already talked about and find it too. I think the Church of Power is primarily a secular church. Okay? Mm-hmm. It, it's not about grace and or works for the sake of earning things. It's just about we got the power. Which we, is, we're in charge. Which is, I think, a big part of Western civilization, it, me- yes. mega churches. Yes. Sometimes. That's the case. Sometimes, yes. So... It's a temptation, but because of that grace works tension, it's always a temptation. Not just because of grace works, because we are sinful, broken human beings who all things, given the option, will usually choose what's in our best self-interest if we're not looking for Jesus first. Right. Okay, so that's why that church of power ends up on that side of things. Another thing that I want to challenge people to think about, particularly if you're well, everybody, Christians or non-Christians, we tend to think of the Bible as primarily a book of rules about what you should do or not do. That is not correct. 
The Bible is a book that tells us about God and who he is. And in the process of reading and studying the Bible and learning about God and who he is, we also learn about ourselves, who we are, and how to know him and be in his presence. Yeah. Okay. So there again, that's us taking our give me a list and looking at this book and going, oh, here's Lisa. I'm not supposed to do this. I am supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to do this. I am, you know, and that's not what it's about. And yeah. A lot of people would say, and me included, for most of my life, that the Bible is instructions and it's hard to read and it's not doesn't apply to modern day and it's, you know, stories that I don't relate to or it's history that uh, for what reasons, I don't know. So, but what I'm learning and discovering is that there's, um, I don't know why I'm rambling about this, but there's something other than that that's not tangible to explain unless you're reading it and learning It's literally the Spirit of God because it is God's Word. It literally is. There is, it, 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 is and and the other thing was when you were when you thought it was this that or the other those things you listed how many times had you read it not a lot right and just reading it through one time is great that's amazing but it's that habit of spending time there that leads you to see those things um and sometimes one time it it just depends on who you are you know, and what's how God's working in your life. So anything's better than nothing. But just want to challenge people to, to think about that. Um, and so in the process of preparing this and talking about this, I started going, okay, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, you feel like you're just only getting part of the story and you want to know more about what this means, that, that Christianity is about grace and the, the Bible is about God and because that's not your way of seeing the world or that's not been your experience. In episode 35, way back in 35, recorded probably a year and a half ago, no, Christmas of 21, it's titled Focus on the Gift, Merry Christmas. It's our last episode of 21, and it is the story of the gospel. It's after we've been through the whole timeline up through the time of Paul, and we're getting ready for, well, up through Acts, and we're getting ready to talk about Paul's theology. We've already put out, well, we've done some of Paul's theology already. We tell then, okay, now we've got enough information out there to talk about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and how. So that's our little theological. And I went back and listened to the meat of it today. And I, um, I encourage you to do that. If you want to know more about that, we go into more detail. And the actual content starts about minute 20 before that is christmas trees and decorations and fun things but about minute minute 20 we start diving in to and there is a little bit of a before minute 20 there's some stuff about paul and his writings and his speaking but then we get into the summary statements about the gospel about that so what do we talk about christmas trees um we had just bought ours and we're talking about trying to get it to stand up and we're talking about decorating and we talk about the christmas lights miracle from a few years ago no we don't have we talked about that i mean we're not doing it tonight or today i don't remember if we did so we'll have to figure that out i don't think we have okay so just once again want to so go back and check out episode 35 right now, aren't you if you, you want to hear it right now aren't you <laughs> if you want to Go back and check on episode 35 for that. So there's a constant need by Christians throughout history to make lists of do's and don'ts. Okay, that's not a new thing. So there's that struggle between grace and work. So going back to, I guess, I don't know if he goes by Reverend Mike Woodruff, Pastor Mike Woodruff, or Mr. Mike Woodruff, but the author of this podcast of the 100 plus significant events in church history, he says uh, that he, he was talking about Constantine. That's where we were. And this Church of Power, Church of Piety, and how everything changed with that Eden of Milan. But what happens back then, and we've mentioned this before, that the church ends up filling the void that was created by the collapse of the Roman state in the West. Mm. The church stepped into that void. The church was in those communities. The church was already present throughout the Roman Empire. And 
because it had kind of had this, for lack of a better word, marriage union with the state, a lot of the things that the leaders in the church wore looked like the leaders of the state. They were the educated people. They were the uh, ruling families. And so the church then steps into that void. The monastic movement tried to create enclaves that were more spiritual and holy, which you mentioned, and then corruption becomes more and more of a problem. And it has to this day. Yes. So, have you ever heard of Lord Acton's Lord Acton's dictum? D i c t i m. Careful. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Lord Actums. He said, "Is that a salve? Is that a company that makes?" No, he had a famous saying. Before I tell this famous saying, I'm going to tell who he is. He was described as the magistrate of history, and he was one of the greatest personalities of the 19th century, and is universally considered to be one of the most learned Englishmen of his time. The greatest personality? What now? One of the greatest personalities of the 19th century in England, and he's considered, and he's. He's considered to be one of the most learned, educated, wise Englishmen of his time. He made the history of liberty his life's work, his life's work. So the history of liberty, freedom. Indeed, he considered political liberty, liberty the essential condition and guardian of religious liberty. So there's something to talk about. Okay, but now this man's living in the 19th century, a lot further down the road. Okay, okay. But Mike Woodruff is quoting him because the last thing that Mike Woodruff has said is corruption becomes more and more of a problem, and he talks about it's like Lord Acton said: power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's Lord Acton. Power corrupts, corrupts. and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to see. Absolute power. Yes. And that's what we're going to see happening. So, power from Star Wars? Powerful Roman families controlled and held the papacy. Okay. That's what's going on by the time we get to the Middle Ages. Now, it kind of started way back when with, with Edict of Milan. You know, I don't know if you remember, but way back when we we're talking about Roman history, way back in the beginning, we talked about how Rome was a familial thing and there were these certain families that were running everything. And so, jump up to 312 when the Edict of Milan, Edict of Milan comes and when it's legal to be a Christian and then when Constantine identifies as a Christian, people are like, okay, so the powerful families are like, okay, we got to be Christians. We got to be Christians because so that happens right from the beginning and continues. So I don't want to say very rarely, but the qualifications for Pope was not the most pious person. Hmm. That wasn't the qualification. Maybe it would help if they were pious, but not necessarily. Okay, even to the point now, he gives an example. Pope John the Twelfth is in nine fifty four. Okay. He's the illegitimate son of a previous pope. <laughs> okay. This is common. And he opens a brothel in the church, among other things, so that he doesn't have to go out to get his women. He's a pope. Yeah, in 954. So that's when he's talking. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, tell me this pope's name again. <laughs> I don't think he's highly unusual. John the Twelfth. in nine, John the Twelfth. In 954. Okay, so 954, 100 years before where we are, right? So that's giving you an idea about the Church of Power as opposed to the Church of Piety. And apparently, the headquarters of the Church of Piety would be in the monasteries. Yeah. Okay. You pulling some Pope John of 12 stuff now. (laughs) Okay. So the point is, the church has always been a flawed institution. That's not new news. Mm-hmm. Why is it that we have expectation that it wouldn't be? Just because Jesus isn't? Yep. So then we think, oh, this church is all messed up. Well, yeah, it's made of a bunch of messed up people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. And the other point is the church has done some great things. It's messy around power. Things are messy. And he gave this example. He's also got another podcast, not another episode about this that I I haven't listened to. 
But he gave the example of the Lord of the Rings. So what's the deal with the ring? Everybody wants the ring, but when you get it, what happens? I don't remember. You get corrupted. Really? Yeah. yeah. But what's, what was the, the hobbit's name that had the ring? He wasn't corrupted. Yeah, it even got to him. That's part of the story. And See, I, I just want to apologize to the listeners that have had any confidence in me in pop culture. You know, talking about Game of Thrones and Star Wars and all kinds of things. But I don't Frodo. follow Lord of the Rings. I've seen them all. I like uh, Tolkien wrote it, right? Yeah. And I liked um, C.S. Lewis's uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. But I just didn't get all up in Lord of the Rings. So anyway, but it's Frodo mess. Frodo Baggins. It's, How about Mr. No, that was, I was about to go back to Narnia. It's, it's um, messy around power and it corrupts. Power corrupts. And the church seldom does well with power. One of the key problems of the Middle Ages is that the church ends up losing control of appointing leaders, and as a result, you end up with leaders of the church who were not thoughtful Christians and in some cases make no pretense to even being Christians. We've mentioned this before, but we're circling back to it, okay? And it's called lay investiture. Do you remember us talking about that? Do not. A few episodes back. Kings and lords wanted to appoint strong leaders and often felt a secular leader was the best choice. Okay, example, if you've got a bishopric that's on the coast of England that's being, before England was England, one of those areas of England that's being attacked by Vikings, you want somebody that's a strong leader. Okay, I'm not going to look for the person that prays the most. I'm looking for the person that can provide leadership, particularly because bishops had their own manner right they were part of the feudal system they had their own anyway so the kings would appoint that in some cases um in some cases the bishoprics were even sold you could buy one so these are they have a couple okay so these are the people that are going into office as the church gains more and more power you have more and more people who want to access that power okay so that's the situation that we find ourselves and it's just grown in the 700 years since the Edict of Milan. Okay, and we've talked about the different ways that the church has played a, a good role in helping shape, you know, like giving some organization and like with Charlemagne being committed to, quote, Christian morals and Christian behaviors and trying to institute those throughout the land. And, and so there was a, yeah, anyway, all that's going on. And now we find ourselves in um, 1030. Okay, so this is coming from a book called Famous Men of the Middle Ages, a little story about 1030, a young monk named Hildebrand pondered many things which he thought were wrong with the church and began to speak out against them. He insisted that the monks and priests should live their lives according to the moral standards taught in the Bible. He also insisted that priests and bishops should be selected by those within the church, not by nobles and kings who were outside the church. For many years, Hildebrand wrote and preached about the reforms which he felt needed to take place. And in 1073, he was, so he would have been 43. Well, no, he was pondering at 30, so he's older than 43. In 1073, he was elected pope. He chose Gregory as his papal name because he greatly admired the young Roman monk from the 6th century who had helped found so many monasteries. Mm-hmm. Remember him? And the Gregorian chant. Yes, yeah, so this makes him Greg. So this makes... Hildebrand, Gregory VII, and he leads a reform effort. He was pope from 1073 to 1085. He spends a lot of time around the papacy and serves in positions for 24 years for four different popes. So before he was ever elected pope, he had been in the inner circle of the papacy for 24 years under four different popes. He was the preeminent papal advisor. And one of the things he did was he insisted that cardinals will elect him. And that's the new pattern of the cardinal of college of cardinals that elect the pope. Okay. Uh, Another source, which is the ancient world history YouTube channel, talks about um, Gregory VII, the innovator. And he wrote a document. And and the reason I'm pulling up this document was this was a source I found where kind of succinctly put what he was all about. And the name of that document was called the Dictatus, D-I-C-T-A-T-C-U-S. 
Mm-hmm. I think some practice of that would have been helpful before. Dick's Because there's too many things. Dick's I'm not even. Just keep moving. Too much. Only the Pope. So here's, there were 27 statements on this document. Okay. And it's like a proclamation. Okay. And he's the Pope. Only the Pope, so here's some of the statements. Only the Pope can with right be called universal. The only thing that's universal is the Pope. Not sure what that means. All princes shall kiss the feet of the Pope alone. That's saying that kings, lords, barons can bow down to nobody but the Pope. Okay. So at the top of this feudal system is the Pope. This is what Gregory Seventh is saying. It may be permitted to him to depose emperors. So he's just putting himself in complete, absolute power. Yeah. We will have absolute power. He himself may, catch this one. This is, no, he himself may be judged by no one. Hmm. And the Roman church has never erred, Hmm. nor will it err to all eternity. Scripture being witness. He is crazy. No. The Roman pontiff, if he has been canonically ordained, meaning the Pope, if he's been canonically ordained, is undoubtedly made holy by the merits of St. Peter. Now, here's something you need to know about the Roman Catholic Church if you don't know this, and I didn't re-research this before saying it. But once the Pope makes a proclamation, that becomes the standard for the church. So it's not just like this guy said this back then and it was just in effect for him. Whatever they said gets carried forward. Unless some pope down the line would change it, but how can he do that? Because it says the Roman church never erred. Never got it wrong and the pope's the one speaking for the church. Okay? So it's not just, he's not crazy. That's, this is what he's saying and this is what is taken as being the truth. That the Pope has authority over kings. And now, obviously, that's changed around. That he can depose emperors. That he himself may be judged by no one. And that he's made holy by the merits of St. Peter. Okay. Gregory ends up being famous for three things. For at least, This is back to Mike Woodruff saying that he ends up being famous for three things. One, church reform. He does everything he can to break the idea of lay investiture. That the Pope will be appointing bishops, which the reason I don't know if y'all have caught this. We've said it, but I don't know if we've put it in these words. The reason that's a big deal is because the king is the owner, technically, of all the land in his kingdom. And then he allowed lords to take sections of his land and take care of that land in in. Uh, and they then pledge loyalty to the king and fight for the king. Well, bishops are in that, too. So bishops have land and they have loyalty to the king. So now the Pope is saying these people that are are uh, leaders of the church that you give land to can't be appointed by you. The Pope's got to appoint those people. So that's really messing in the affairs of the king. Yeah. Okay. Now. Okay. We're. we're- we're yeah, we're getting close, time, right? I, I've got something. I don't know if I can wait. Okay, say. just uh, let me say two more things, and then we'll see if if this will work. Okay, he was known for church reform. Then he was known for the assertion of primacy of the bishop of Rome, meaning the pope, over everyone else. There will not be a pope who claims more power than Gregory does. Going forward in history till now, there's not another pope that claims as much power as Gregory. But they still get to hold on to the power that Gregory claimed because it continues on, right? And he, so he was known for church reform, particularly in the area of lay investiture, assertion of primacy of the Bishop of Rome, and for a famous run-in with King Henry IV of Germany. And so that's where we'll be going is... The run-in. To the run-in. We've got one more, uh, some more information to put in as a setup for the run-in, and then we'll be talking about the run-in. What's the thing that you had that you didn't know if you could wait? Well, when you say, oh, he's not crazy, he says... I'm not a fan of what he's saying. I'm saying he's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well. I'm not saying I, this human being, guys, and, you know, I'm going to say way too much right here. 
Yeah. I'm going to pull it back. I don't like that. I'm just going to say it that way. Yeah. And I think that that we have to remember, like we've mentioned this when talking about the book Turning Points, because he does a really good job. And his name is Mark Knoll, the author. And he's a, a professor lecturer of pointing out the differences in a Catholic perspective and a Protestant perspective and an Orthodox perspective. Okay. And we've defined all those things now. So we should be, well, we haven't defined Protestantism because it hasn't happened yet, but you and I are both generational Protestants. Well, I used to be. We still are. We're not Catholic. I'm Orthodox now. (laughs) You've been attending the, you've been attending the Orthodox church. I'm starting to. Okay. Right. Different conversation, folks. Point being, the viewpoint that this this pope is a person who is fallible is a Protestant viewpoint. Yes. Okay. Not the viewpoint and not of the Middle Ages. Well, I okay. guess I can only say it from a Protestant West Western civilization perspective. Twentieth century. Twenty. Second, what is it? Were we in the 21st, 22nd century? What are we in? 24th century? 21st century. 2023. We're in the 21st century. Right. We're in the 24th. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. Mm. Okay, so that's too the many, setup. Too many mega church pastors making some rules up and stuff. And that's, you know, that's a, we'll talk about that when we get to it. We'll learn about protestantism we'll learn about denominations we'll learn about the movement of the church in the 20th century that has created these what you keep calling mega churches and it's all tremendously interesting okay so hang with us we're coming that's and i will just throw this in right here that is the motivator for one episode a week for me because the amount of time it's taken me for preparation and the amount of work that's in front of us really makes me want to say, let's don't do one episode a week. Let's slow down. But I want to get there. I I, I, I want to tell this. What are you st- talking about let's not do one episode a week? Like well, release one episode a week? Yeah. In my head, I've had that thought just because of the prep time. I see. That's taken me to get ready for that. See? But the the thing that's counterbalancing that thought is the desire to get to the present and to give you guys this information so that, you you know, I'm excited. Are you excited, Frank? I'm super excited. Now we're wrapping up episode 85. With Gregory the seventh. Gregory the seventh. And he's going to have an altercation with King King Henry. Henry fourth of Germany, who's actually the Holy Roman emperor. So we got to set up the Holy Roman. Do we have anything in the studio we need to talk about? I brought a couple of props. You brought some props. Are they for this episode? Well, you know, it's been like this is the first time we're seeing each other in person. Well, not, I don't know. First time we've all been together in the room, right? And so I just want to share this because I think it's really cool. You got a prop. Okay, go so ahead. So what is this? It's a big Bible. It's a big Bible. I'm going to say that it has a concordance in it. I'm going to hand it to you. If well. you, you don't have to read everything. But just open up to where the date is and tell me the date in the front. Okay. Like, like it has glasses. A, on yeah, it. it has like a dedication page. You know, like I've where seen you were. this Bible before. Oh, you have? I think maybe not. Well, just so he's opening up. He's looking. It's a new American Standard Bible. Yeah, just turn to the page where it's written and it has a date. Well, Keep, I don't. You're know. not there yet. Keep going. It's just one of the first pages. A date, like when it was published or something? No, like I wrote in it and said... Well, I see when it's published right here. Well, maybe it... Hand it to me. It's difficult to hand things back and forth in the studio. Well, it might not be in there. I thought it was in there. At the very beginning. Yeah, right here. Okay. Yeah, what does it say? Presented to Angie Rains. And what's the date? Occasion. Don't, don't, you don't have to get it all that. Just what's the date? <laughs> May 1981. Okay. So. I have seen this Bible before. It's a new cover. It is a new cover. It was falling apart. And so a Christmas gift that got finally carried out. It was from a year ago and it's not. Wow. It's a nice cover. It's got a new leather cover and it has my entire name on it. Whereas mm-hmm. the other one just said Angie Rains. Isn't that cool? That is pretty cool. 
So I might it, do that to my old Bible. So if you don't mind, open it back up at the front and those little cards that are in there, give a shout out to the people who did it. This card? Uh-huh. Sunshine Leather. Angela Huey. Yeah. And helped so, out with this. And so they're on Etsy. They're on Etsy. Sunshine Leather. So go As check them Aunt out. Daisy it's, would say Etsy. It's a beautiful job because <laughs> it's it's crazy as I pick it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> she would say it exactly right. Yep. She would. Exactly right. So it's really cool because I pick it up now and I feel like I'm picking up a new Bible. And then I open the pages and I'm like, no, this is, have an older this is familiar. To... This is old. So, All right. Anyway, that was my cool little thing. I Can got... I? I don't know why this just. I want I want to do this, and it's random and has nothing to do with the Bible or anything else. Okay, let's go. Something just to wrap up episode eighty-five in okay. the in the Red Door Studio on the wall. I've got an old T-shirt framed, but it's not framed like a T-shirt. It's just wrapped in canvas. It looks like a canvas wrap, and it's just faces of comedians. Haven't we talked about that before? Maybe. I don't think I, I knew it was a t-shirt before. It was a t-shirt and, and it's worn out. So I thought I would just frame it like a canvas. And it's, um, I've never been able to find it anywhere else. If we've talked about it before, then I just won't say it. It'll no, work. no. We've mentioned some of the faces, but I don't think we've ever talked about what it is. All the faces. Yeah. Eddie Murphy, Steve Martin, Dave Chappelle, Bill Murray, George Carlin, John Candy, Ronnie Dangerfield, Martin Lawrence which is odd to me. Chevy Chase, Richard Pryor, John Belushi, Woody Allen, Mel Brooks, and James Mason. No, 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 that's Lenny Bruce. And he just did all that just by looking at their faces, y'all. That is 14 people. Yeah, that's Lenny Bruce on the right end. But I don't know why Martin Lawrence made the cut, but whatever, he's funny. Yeah. But he's not a Richard Pryor or a hey, Eddie Murphy. do you ever watch, oh gosh, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it. It's a series on Amazon Prime. But Lenny Bruce is in it. Yeah, the marvelous Miss Maisel. Yeah, that's a cool. I've enjoyed that. Yeah. All right. Just Not the real out. Lenny Bruce, a character playing Lenny Bruce. Right. And he does a good job, though. Seems. I mean, it seems like it. I'm yeah. Not, I never watched Lenny Bruce. I went and watched some after that just yeah. to see how it's like. But Well, you got your dose yeah. of, of Bible, pop culture, and history, guys, so I hope you're happy. I'm just going to do this real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six. Only six of those 14 are alive. How about that? Yeah. All right. <laughs> living, on, living on a high note. Um, well, have a good one. We'll see you at 86. This has been History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast. Please rate and review, subscribe or follow wherever you stream your podcasts. You may also contact us and comment at onethingonly.org. Just click on the History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast tab. You can also support this podcast by checking the link to our Ko-fi site in our bio. Thanks for listening.